Welcome back to The Popular Parallax, a sci-fi limited series podcast hosted by our guest for this series, Milo Davinas, and me, Jerrica Lala. Be sure to subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Popular Parallax. And now... Join us on a nine-episode escapade through the epidemic-ridden hellscape of The Last of Us. And another week has gone by. We're back. The Popular Parallax Limited Podcast, recalling all the episodes of The Last of Us on HBO slash Crave and giving our uneducated opinions about that we have a little education every everybody gets to commentate these days how you doing milo i'm fantastic jerica and may i say happy early birthday to you thank you this Uh, this episode is coming out on friday and jerica is turning another year older and wiser and more lovely on saturday so one step closer to the grave everybody that's right (laughs) Well, congratulations on still being here, Jack. How yes. are you feeling? You holding up? Still alive, bitches. I'm doing good. Woo. And once, I mean, I always, once this month is over, it'll be a party in all our mouths. Everybody's invited. Mm-hmm. Just have to get through the next couple of weeks. We'll be all good. And we are, we are quickly approaching the end of series one of The Last of Us, even though I have now heard there is definitely going to be a series two. This show might have been successful from what I've been seeing on the just internet. Just a bit. Just a bit. Just a splash. So we're definitely getting that season two, which I'm very happy about. And I can't believe we're already eight out of nine episodes down. It's been a wild ride. Crazy fun time. And Yes. Hope you've all been enjoying listening to our dulcet voices as we talk mm. to it, talk to you all about it. <laughs> <laughs> cough, cough. <laughs> yeah, uh, so as we go into episode eight, it's still winter. So we're sort of leaving off very soon after what we just left. Like, I don't think much time has gone by at all. We start in a little sort of settlement barely even a village like a few buildings right mm-hmm. i think and it's actually a resort they say uh, like a yeah, an old resort. it's it's like if you think of those muskoka resorts or something they've taken one of those abandoned and turned it into like a tiny town but mm-hmm. it's not it's not like on a map because it's not a real place right uh, as, as a town right um, and we we find ourselves in a slightly Mennonite. I don't. You know what? I don't. I'm going to cut that because I don't even want to compare them to a religion, right? But it's some kind of like community religious gathering where they're like praying and saying all the old spear to pray to God. He's going to solve our problems and wipe our tears and all of this stuff mm-hmm. and um there is a little girl in the this church community that says that's crying crying and she says when can we bury him 
and the priest or the the not the the pastor says, mm-hmm. "Well, the ground's too cold now, so we have to bury your father in the spring." Mm-hmm. God's gonna dry your tears and bibbity bobbity boo, right? Gives her the whole line of shit. Excuse me, mm-hmm. I'm not a churchgoer, but uh, I'm thinking this right away, like right away, because to me it is. I mean, they try to give us both sides a little bit in this show, but it is a bit of a mockery to be saying this stuff with what has happened in a way. I mean, I guess even now, if something like this happened, there's always going to be people that say like, oh, this is for a reason and God's plan and all of this. But this is extreme. Yeah, it's a pretty well-worn trope, I feel, in apocalyptic fiction that we always wind up yeah visiting with a community of extremely religious crossing into the line of cultism people it does i suppose make sense in universe because you know clearly this group of people is very isolated they're not in any kind of quarantine zone and they're off in the mountains and we already have established that this part of the former united states is very very remote and isolated from what has been happening in the cities and other quarantine zones and that sort of thing. So the idea that a super religious commune would pop up somewhere here feels appropriate. It's a desperate time, I guess. And these people are clinging to whatever is going to make them feel better at night. Well, and all it takes is one fervent slash kind of scary guy. Mm Mm-hmm to start a following because then the next thing you know if there's other men on board then their women have to be on board and then their kids have to be on board and that's it it takes one person to start it and then a few other pivotal people to like support it and then it's happening that's any religious movement like look at at scientology it's one fucking idiot sci-fi writer who's not very good (laughs) <laughs> and he decided that the shit was all real and look at it now yep and we've so, got our uh, we've got our figure here i think the character's name yeah david played by scott shepherd this yeah. is our introduction to him and he's supposed to be the very charismatic cult figure here and i was reading about it after the fact and a lot of this religious stuff was added for the television show. The majority of the storyline from, again, what I've read from the internet after watching the episode is pretty spot on to what happens in the video game. But the one sort of major expansion that they've done is they've added this religious component, at least from what I understand. In the video game, David is still a very charismatic leader of a small group of people in the sort of same like setting and all that. But I think they wanted to add this religious component to make that commentary about religion in general, and especially the more fanatical components of it in our own modern day society. David, being a pastor, doesn't seem to be that much of a stretch. You know, oftentimes we see pastors and these aggressively religious people who have these fervent followers. They are very cult of personality and that was already established in the video game narrative right so that's where we get david character and he's he's reading the book of revelations i think it is to this group and after they're done with their you know ceremony and the young girl is mourning her father 
David and his right-hand man, James, who, speaking of video game connections, the actor playing James, Troy Baker, is actually the voice actor for Joel in the video game. This yeah, and he is... looks like him, too. Yeah, because yeah, they did motion Totally, capture. totally. Yeah, yeah, I know. No, I knew right away that was the... Now, the, the, the priest, the... I'm going to stop saying priest. The pastor, <laughs> where do I know him from? What is he... He looks like a younger Charles Dance. <laughs> but it's I'm, not that. <laughs> I'm looking into his um, filmography here, and the two things that look most prominent are uh, he was in the Breaking Bad movie, which I did not know there was a Breaking Bad movie, and okay. he was also in The Young Pope. Are you a fan of The Young Pope there, Cherica? No, no. That's... Well, I'm, I... I well, I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, I... I mean, I mean, a terrible, you know, figure. But mm-hmm. I liked that they didn't go for like a huge brooding guy mm-hmm. to be physically terrifying. It was right. all; it had to be all the the presence. Yeah, this sort of it's... untrustworthy, snaky figure. Yeah, they were definitely going for a more understated character. I'll admit, I kind of struggled with his believability. Like, okay. it's it's not that I necessarily needed a super glowing, brutish, rule-by-threat figure. But I was kind of having trouble with the way his character was behaving and the way his character looked uh, and buying that he would be that successful at domineering this group of people or and when i say domineering again i don't mean by physical force but but by like charismatic elements like i did i never really bought him as the truly magnetic person i never bought him fully as the like truly sympathetic character either they were trying to give him i think a little extra layer with the math teacher backstory information and like that would be the connecting yeah. component he knows how to talk to kids and that kind of thing and I, I could see where they were going with it but it never really grabbed me and it's not to say that the actor didn't you know do a good job with the material i think maybe if we had more time yeah. In this place. Well, you know, like this, this show, I, you're not going to get time with anybody. That's the problem, right? Because once again, right. this this rears up. But I I guess what I what I kind of liked was that I unlike the the Kathleen lady, I mm. could tell for a while if he was just a little misguided and actually wanted to help, or if he was a real weirdo. It didn't come out until that sudden act of violence. Right. And you go, okay. Then it yeah. the color changes. But I I guess I liked the aspect of like I'm like, can we what uh, maybe he is okay. Like maybe he's just like he's a weirdo. I was on the fence as to whether like how what his intention really was, if he had some good intention and he just put it across in a weird religious way. Or if he just had a really dark intention, which is what I was afraid of, which of course is what came to pass. But I Mm -hmm. liked that I couldn't tell from the first two seconds exactly Mm -hmm. what he was going to do. 
which I found with the other thing, like almost right away, you were like, okay, she's not, they revealed too much too soon. Right. And maybe with him, they, they didn't do that. And I, but I, I get what you mean. Like there's, it's like, what is it about him that's making people follow him? But Mm -hmm. I also felt, felt like you got more of that later with this like super threatening other side mm-hmm. where you're like oh they're afraid of him they are they're afraid of him that's that's pure and simple what is going on here right i thought the ambiguity really worked in the first sort of major encounter we get between him and ellie with the deer and especially yeah. when they, the two of them go off i was just hoping for more I guess in yeah. in the scenes with with the with the other townsfolk, like oftentimes these figures are are just so beguiling. They're so um, you 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 can see that instant charisma, that instant draw yeah. for them. you wanted like a Hugh Jackman to yeah, like turn like nasty. A, yeah, yeah, I know, real- I know what you mean. Yeah. A nasty snake oil salesman who also go- goes with that whole like, you know that that this would be the time that I would see the like the blonde hair, blue eyed, square jawed, working class American kind of guy. Yeah. You know, well, like one... a real sociopath who can be extremely charming and like, yeah, attract people to them. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. Like he did not have that. <laughs> he didn't have that. Yeah. <laughs> But he again, I feel, did feel like they were putting across, like, this is a decent guy. Like, sure, you mm-hmm. might not agree with him, but he's a good man. Like, that's sort of the vibe that they're putting across at the beginning. And he's older, so maybe yeah. your guard goes down a little more, too. What really got a red flag up to me is every time that he say they need a father. And I was like, that sounds scary and weird. Uh-huh. Like, and he's yeah. talking about his own parishioners who are adults. And you're just like, ooh. You know, and I guess, I mean, that's a shepherd and his sheep and all that. But I liked the way the actor delivered it. It made you start going, oh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. I don't know about this guy. Yeah. there was, That whole patriarchal element definitely got peppered in nice and early. So yeah. that... And I was coming in to this episode, and I, I think I hinted at this last week. I didn't know every single detail of what was going to happen, but I knew we were going to be coming into the cannibal arc of the storyline. Right. And so I had that little bit of knowledge. And as soon as the David and James conversation first happened, where they're like, how much venison do we have? I was like mm. so gross so gross I like yeah and the whole like the ground's too hard to bury him and I was just like oh fuck like I I wasn't sure but I just thought what are they doing like I I even thought like are they selling their teeth or like what like what is happening because I didn't you know like there's all kinds of, of morbid things that could like like black market organ trading like all kinds of things that i thought of could be happening right right um but okay let's go crunch through the story real fast so we have these this church they're running out of food Mm -hmm. ellie and joel are still holed up in this house and joel's not doing great no he's not doing good and um 
Ellie goes out. She's like, okay, I'm going to try to get some food because they're basically starving. She's bringing in little nooks and berries and things. To, God knows what they're eating. Like slugs. Yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> she goes outside with a shotgun. She tries for a rabbit and she misses. And she's like, you know, what the fuck? God, that's a good mouth on this girl. <laughs> and then she, she uh, sees uh, a deer. And she takes a shot and it goes down, but it's still struggling and it runs off. Mm -hmm. And this is where we see the pastor and one of his guys, the guy that modeled for this, this, uh, this character on the video game, they come across this deer and they're like, take it, take it, take it. Like whoever shot, it's got to be close by. And of course she's like, stop, you put it down. And she's she's like, I'm going to put this between your eyes. And she's very threatening. And they sort of have a back and forth with her where she finds out that they have medicine. Mm -hmm. So she's like, why don't you go get that medicine? And they, they work something out. Like they'll take half the deer. Mm -hmm. They'll bring her this medicine. Right. So she waits with this pastor while his guy goes off to get uh, penicillin which sounds really promising I'm like penicillin would be good that that's what we need right before he gets eaten alive with an infection mm -hmm. and then you know i well this is the first note i got i i put of course the preacher's a weirdo <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and i think that's when he started talking about being a, a father to these adults and stuff and i'm like great and mm -hmm. he wants he wants to help her and he wants to save her and blah 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 what we don't realize as they go away, she takes the stuff home. She puts the, the, she's try, trying to ask poor Joel where she should put this, this syringe. She puts right. it right, right in the wound. Ouchie. So she, there she goes. She, so she puts it in, but we find out they, they know who she is right away. This guy knows who she is right away because this kid at the at the church who was asking about her father, her dad was the one that got his neck broken by Joel. We were coming out of the university. And he's also the guy who, who stabbed him in the gut. Exactly. Yeah. So they're and looking I, for them. They're already looking for them. They know it's a guy and a girl and a young girl. So they're like, oh, we have them. And this whole, that sequence where the pastor, where Pastor Dave gives or reveals the information to Ellie was, I thought that part was excellent. And oh, yeah, I, was scary. Yeah. I had yeah. made that connection and I, I guess maybe it sounds silly to say, but I have sort of not really been thinking about the last three episodes as interconnected, even though of course we've had the framing device of Joel recovering from his wound. I mean, especially last week when we and they weren't far away. Exactly. They were very close by, right? She only could she could only drag Joel so far. So they're right next door to where that would have happened. Exactly. Yeah, it was it was something that I hadn't even realized. And apparently, so that part was in the video game. The fact that David and his group, he was sending people out on scavenging missions. And that in the video game, apparently Joel kills a whole bunch of them, but they've narrowed it down to just a very specific person, which I think works better in this instance, because you know, yeah. it gives us Something well, easier to handle. A specialized vengeance, right? Exactly. In the video game, 
David has a very firm belief in everything happening for a reason. And he says essentially the same thing that he says to Ellie. But that, I think, is where the idea of adding the religious component ad came from. Because then, you know, you get the sort of, like, God's hand. Yeah, the righteousness of it. So that was great. And then poor Ellie running off. And it does add to that ambiguity where James sneaks up with the gun and he's ready to offer. He wants to offer. He he knows who she is and he knows how everybody back at the, the camp feels about these people. And David being like, no, 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 no. We're going to to let her go. Yeah, She's gonna, not the one who did the killing. Save this one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She's not the one who did the killing. So so let her go and and you can see the machinations starting there, and it is very ominous. And so Ellie runs back and shoves a bunch of penicillin in poor Joel's stomach, and she knows what's about to come. And they have that very sweet moment where she's sort of like lying on his chest, being like, okay, some people are coming. Don't die. Please don't die. Well, she says, I'm going to get on the horse. I'm mm-hmm. going to lead them away from here. And she puts her knife on his chest and said, if anybody gets down here, you fucking kill them. Kill them. Yeah. And don't, Joel, don't fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. This poor guy is just probably in a fever haze. And mm-hmm. somebody's coming to kill you. This is my worst nightmare. As somebody who's lying in a hospital with staples in your gut, mm-hmm. this is a bad time for a murderer to come and try to get you. Real yeah. bad time. There's never a good time, but this is your most <laughs> vulnerable like, he's in a bad way, right? Thank God he's had this penicillin. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, where am I here? So Ellie, she gets on that horse, whose name is apparently Callus. I didn't realize the horse had a name, but it does, Callus. And the next day, sure enough, the yeah. the hunters come and, can, come and to find her. So she gets on the horse. She does lead them on a little chase, but it's not. And I had a feeling as soon as they started talking about where are we going to get the food? And she goes out to hunt that that horse's days were numbered. Oh, that's yeah. A whole yeah. buffet just hanging out in the garage. That's a lot of meat. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's going well, to be she gets She gets out in the street on the horse. She shoots her gun up in the air and goes, hey, you motherfuckers. And then she takes off and mm-hmm. they doesn't take them long to get her. Yeah. So down she goes. And David goes back with a couple of his guys who drag the horse. But then there's the part of the party that remains to dispatch with Joel. And this yeah, was a very two creepy bearded guys who were creeping me the fuck out the whole time. I were, like, the... were they twins? I don't know. But the casting call for this must have been like, give, like we're looking for the most skeletal bird-like actors possible. Yeah, yeah. They, they had starving terrified creepers down to an art yeah yeah (laughs) like they were they were very well cast for this never mind my complaints about david these two actors were very well done um and yeah there's they go they go a stalking and ellie when she had left the house she had moved some sort of like armoire credenza or whatever it was in front of the door but it takes about two seconds for skeletor number one to figure out Oh, there's somebody in there. And then But when we... he goes in, the bed's empty. Or the, yeah. the sorry, the bed, the blanket <laughs> on the floor is empty. Mm-hmm. And guess who jumps them? Oh. Good old Tonka truck Joel 
Pedro's like, I'm back, everybody. Hey, did you miss me? And I'm like, yes. Because I feel like I haven't seen him in like two episodes. Mm-hmm. But um, he jumps these guys. He does use Ellie's knife to a horrific degree. Um, and he sort he tortures one of these guys into telling him where Ellie has gone to. Because he's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, little girl. And he stabs him through the leg and the guy's screaming. And he's like, I'm going to pop off your fucking kneecap oh. better. And he said, you're going to point on this map and your buddy better tell me the exact same thing. And she goes, I shouldn't laugh. I don't know why I'm laughing. See, the show's desensitized me. He goes to the other creepy guy mm-hmm. and he's like, he, we told you the truth. And he goes, it's okay. I believe you. And then kills that guy too. Disgustingly with like a bat. It was it was nasty business. As someone, I have a I have a janky left knee to use the medical. <laughs> what <laughs> you're like? It, bleh, bleh. Anytime any kind of knee shit happens in anything, I like it. Just it sends. This was the hardest thing for me to watch, <laughs> and apparently this torture scene again. Like this episode very closely followed what was in the video game, from what I understand, and the internet was celebrating how closely this torture followed. <laughs> Yeah, good job, everybody. That Wonderful was disgusting. Yeah. Bravo. And yeah, apparently this is almost exactly how it happened. And the very brutal moment for Joel. And we forget, right? Because we've been watching Joel and Ellie move through this season. And it's not that they haven't had to resort to brutal brutality before, but this is a very precise distillation of Joel's the truth about Joel, which is that he has done some nasty, fucked up shit in his yeah. past. Yeah, He's not a pure good guy. He's not a pure father figure. And, you know, we can talk about, like, yes, these men are cannibals. And yes, they're here to kill him and all that kind of stuff. But this is a sort of um, an ex- excessive, shall we say, form of vengeance and, and torture. And Joel doesn't blink when he's doing it. He's He's here. He's getting the information. These people are not human beings to him anymore. They no. are means to an end. And, and he's desperate. He knows he Ellie's that. in real, real danger of having the same kind of shit maybe happen to her. So he's like them or her. It's going to be them. The the knee stuff, then the stab to the neck, and then the guy who's been watching, he gets the pipe to the head, and it's all, it's all over. We're off to rescue Ellie from the compound, which the information came out very easily. I'm I'm sure in torture situations, there isn't a long gap between when the torture begins and when the information comes out. Yeah. But there were certain elements of this episode that did feel like we're getting through the points as fast as we can. I I don't I certainly didn't want the um torture to be prolonged. That's not my kick, the thing I get out of these kinds of shows, but I, it did feel a little easy. Really? I mean, not not so much the getting of the information so much as like Joel didn't really have much to go. Th- I, I guess he recovered so quickly after the penicillin was adrenaline in. too, right? Yeah, like your life is in danger, and he had had a day to cook that penicillin. So I right. don't think he's feeling all the way better, but he's feeling better enough that he can walk and he can uh, cut off your knee. Yes, he did prove that. And I mean, think of the strength of him compared to these poor guys. They're That's not true. that strong. You know what I mean? 
and they're yeah. they're weak like they they're already followers of right. this other deranged maniac so i guess i was just like mm. i i thought it was really grotesque but i was also like if you're starting to think that that's your child you're gonna kill those guys yeah and boy did he dispatch them so oh, yeah <laughs> but as much as that was horrifying ellie's about to go through quite oh, the yeah, ordeal that's herself nothing and... compared to what happens next let's <laughs> take a seat so then we see Ellie waking up and she's in a cage mm-hmm. and she says, what, you know, what am I, what am I doing in a cage? She has a very interesting back and forth with this. It's just the pastor sitting there across from her. And he says, well, I'm afraid of you. You're a, you're a very violent person. And, and then he gets into this whole game. Like you remind me of me, you know, mm-hmm. violent thoughts and you're a dark person and all of this weird shit starts coming out. Yeah, you have a violent heart, he says. She's she's on, sort of crawling around on the floor and under the door she sees an ear. Yep. A human ear. And he gets a little agitated. He's like, you don't judge me. Like, these people are starving. And she's like, yeah, I won't judge you, you fucking animal. You know, like, she's yeah. giving it to him. She is not backing down. And he, this guy, he's like, you know, it would be so great. Like if you and I could both leave this place and he starts giving her the whole, like, you're going to join me and we're going to, you know, think of the good we could do with this place and make it even better than it is now. And he, he puts his hand on the bar and she comes up like he's luring a child and she puts his hand on his and she breaks his fucking fingers. (laughs) I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. (laughs) That was a great moment. And David essentially gives us his character's entire motivation in this speech, both in terms of leading the group and why he's so set on Ellie in particular. He he sees her, and this is disgusting, as a potential mate, partner, combo situation. The, the potential for her to be essentially his queen in this space. And she's 14, and this man is in his 50s. That yeah. was disgusting. And he lays That's it all out That's when the other and... shoe dropped for me, because the whole time I was like, don't be a pervert. Like, with all the, like maybe they won't make him a pervert. And I was just like, oh, of course he's a fucking pervert. You know what I mean? Like, why not just add that to yeah. the already scary shit? Well, we did the scene a bit earlier where they're having the dinner in the, the resort, the, the community, and... The, the the girl whose father was killed by Joel and Ellie makes a comment. Of, they should just kill him. They should just kill Joel. They know where he is. They should just murder him. And then he slaps her and then slaps the hand. shit out of her. Like she almost falls over. Yeah. And that, that for me was sort of the initial sign that we were going down. I mean, it's always a potential element in these kinds of characters. Yeah. It's, it's a trope that is often seen. And I was also kind of hoping that he wasn't going to go the perfect just because it's not something I really need to see. We just don't want to see it. I know. Yeah. But I had a feeling. And then when they did that, that slap, I, there's something just about the the casual violence followed by the like helping hand towards a young girl just seals it automatically. So when this moment in the cage occurred, it was like, ah, yes, here it is. That's, that's going to be happening. But then we at least get the knuckle crack. Yeah. To get and that. And then he says, because Elliot said, you're going to cut me up in little pieces and eat me. And that's when he did the don't judge us. And as soon as she breaks his hand, he goes, little pieces, you said? And he leaves. So you're like, she's fucked. 
Yeah. And when the, he they come back, they're li- literally, oh, Joel, Joel is finding the place. But mm-hmm. it seems kind of deserted when he's walking through it. Mm-hmm. And he sees hanging human corpses. Like, mm-hmm. he, like bodies that have, like, no heads. Mm-hmm. It is, it's a nightmare. Yeah. It's bad. I, I knew it was coming, and even just then, I liked seeing it. It was just a whole other level of, like, <sighs> I know. Bleh. Yeah. The cannibal thing, like we see it in zombie apocalypse fiction all the time. There's that, you know, parallel that people like to draw in these kinds of media with the living eating the dead while the dead are eating the living. So it's not that, you know, we haven't seen this on screen, but every time it does appear, no matter how prepared I think I am for it, cannibalism is fucking gross. Maybe we don't need yeah. to say that because it's already been said, but ugh. Yeah, well, and also, I guess, I guess I was hoping, like they framed it like we were absolutely fucking desperate, and it's just like, no, you're using this as a butcher shop. What are you talking about? You're eating everybody. Like yeah. that's that's a total lie. Like you're not you're not just doing it that one time when everybody was freezing and dying, like the Donner Party. You're doing it all the time. Yeah, you got some skill here at butchering a human corpse. Yeah. So so we see these bodies, and then. We see the guy coming and getting Ellie and they put her onto a slab, like mm-hmm. a meat slab with a, and they have a huge butcher knife and she's death and she says, I'm infected. And now you're infected too. And even just to check her arm, they put the knife down so close to her head. They nearly like cut half her face off. Like they are, these guys are rough. They see the bite and it definitely throws the pastor's like second in command guy. It throws him for a loop. Mm-hmm. Because the pastor, what's the pastor's name? David. Yep. David. David says that's not real, and the other guy's like, looks pretty fucking real to me. Mm-hmm. Right? Like he's nervous, and she uses this opportunity to take the knife and kill that guy. Poor <laughs> does he ever? That's awesome. I was like, <laughs> yes, I am all for fourteen-year-old girls murdering. It was. It was a great moment ellie got some really excellent moments here it was a very disturbing art for her and you know there were definitely some scenes that were very difficult to watch but at the very least they didn't really put a lot of time between the disturbing thing and ellie getting her vengeance and that to me is the best compensation you can kind of get when you have to deal with these topics because She's almost eaten. She's in this really creepy situation. The threat of rape and sexual violence is just hanging overhead. But she's already broken some knuckles and she gets a really devastating machete or butcher knife kill in right here and dispatches with James. And I guess, you know, that I think this actor uh, also hosts the official podcast for for. <laughs> for the show so like it should have been me but it's fine i'm not bitter <laughs> exactly okay. i think i'm here i'm here it's in the fine. show yeah, i thought they lingered on his dead face for a second longer than would be normal and i think that was to be like give it up for this actor whatever his name was well, his did, name... did david also sort of just stop and put the knife all the way through did he he stopped and did something and i like i think it was just like i'm gonna kill you all the way like something gross happened just as he went by. Mm, mm, okay. 
but and then and so he's chasing Ellie into this, and she's waiting behind the bar with this like lit up piece of wood, like from the fireplace, and she whips it at him, and it hits the curtains, and it, it lights the place up, my mm-hmm. little. So it's burning, and they are locked inside. The priest then he's in full, full threatening mode, and he's go- he's he's gonna rape her. Like he's it's really really gross. He gets yeah. her gets her on the ground and says, "Oh, th- this actually turned my stomach." Where he was like, "There's no fear in love," and I was like, Ugh. "Like I can't I can't even go there." But I also was like, I had no idea Bella Ramsey could scream like that. She screams like an animal all the way yeah. through this scene, which is incredible. And she, it's it's different than like a horror movie scream. It's like an animal scream. It was wild. She really accessed a, a visceral fear in this. And it, it was an incredible performance. God, I, I, I'm sure they handled the set very well and respectfully and all that stuff. But for someone that young to have to deal with this subject matter. I, I sometimes forget that, like... I mean, Bella Ramsey has... She's not 14. Through. She's not 14. That's she's not 14. I, that's what I mean. I have to tell myself that. I'm like, she is... She's an, she's an adult. Yeah. She's a young adult, adult but she is an and, adult. Exactly, yeah. She, she's a young adult, and, and she, she's accessing some really horrifying yeah. material here, and she's, she's just killing it. Like, well, quite literally in the actual scene, but she's doing such an incredible job, and and it it really was a satisfying, if not terrifying, moment there with the flames going up. The whole place is about to burn down. And she is, you know, on the verge of a truly... She's already deep into a traumatic experience, one that is threatening to get much more traumatic. And she, she swings around. I think it's something like 22 chops with the butcher's knife like there was i think i saw the count somewhere on there so she's not just making sure he's dead she's making sure he's super extra dead and getting a lot of other emotion out well she she'd somehow slid that knife under a chair that was above her head Mm -hmm. and she just manages to reach it and just stabs the ever-loving shit out of this guy yeah, she she was she was getting out not just the the terror and rage of what she's been feeling in that moment, but I think also the terror and rage of everything that's happened with Joel and then everything that happened with Riley even going that far back. Yeah. She she's she's taking all of the the pain and frustration that being a child in this post-apocalyptic world has has laid upon her and is just getting it all out on that pastor man's face and we cheer we cheer for this moment it was a very satisfying moment to be sure well the relief right Mm -hmm. she as she barges out of this building she's she's basically smoking she's Mm -hmm. you know she's and she's coughing and she you know she's covered with coal and all the whole she's burnt she's 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 got his blood all over him Mm -hmm. just Jill comes up behind her and is like, hey, hey, and she just starts going off, of course, uh-huh. because she's, you know, she is so jacked that somebody else is going to grab her. And as they, she, she slowly recognizes who it is, and they finally embrace. And he calls her baby girl. I got you, baby girl. And that's what he says to his daughter right before she dies. And I thought, great, now if this girl dies, he w- he's going to just be gone. He'll die. Yeah, we got that moment where Joel 
officially crosses the line into caring yeah, about yeah. Ellie. I mean, obviously, he's been working his way up to it. I'm sure he's cared about her this whole time, but like, this is the acknowledgement. When she didn't leave him on the garage floor to die, I think that was obviously the thinking in, the understanding. She that saved this, his um, life again with yeah. the medication and put herself at bit to this. Like, this is what happened from her getting that medicine, basically. Yeah. Like, interacting with these guys, whole thing, right? Yeah. So this yeah. was a very well done scene. For all my reservations about the rest of the episode, I thought this was an excellent, excellent moment. And really, this isn't surprising or shocking to state, but the best moments in this entire show are always going to be these moments between Pedro and Bella. Like yeah. it's we are we've already talked about how great their chemistry is and how enjoyable it is to watch the story of these characters unfold. And so to end on this note after the brutality we've just seen was just and like they they sold it so well. They're such incredible actors. They're doing such a good job together. So I really loved this final note mm-hmm. in in the episode. It it you know wiped my mind temporarily of all the things that I was having a little trouble with in the the rest of it. <laughs> I was like, oh, they're back together again. Thank God. He puts a jacket around her and they hobble away as they are mm-hmm. both slightly incapacitated at this point. Yeah. And literally just hop. We don't know what's going to happen to them. They've got nothing. Yeah. They've got nothing. Yeah. So this should be interesting. I'm, I'm scared. Like, I'm like, if this is the second last episode, I'm kind of scared about the last episode. I think it's going to be like a bloodbath, but. Things are coming, Jerrica, I'm sure of it. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they faded away. They faded out, faded to black here at the end of this episode. And I did after, you know, I, I cleared my tears from my eyes and was, it was full of joy that Joel and Ellie were together again. I thought, are the rest of the people in this commune going to do something about this? I, I doubt I, it. Yeah. I feel like this was sort of like the the end of this this romp. And that this is so this is really where my struggle with the episode came from. It's it felt so quick that we were moving through all of this. And especially at the end when it was clear that like, well, they've burned down this building and they've taken this this group of people's leader out, and we are probably never going to see them again. That I was a little frustrated with pardon me. I was a little frustrated by that. Um, I'm now, who knows, maybe they are coming back in some future episode. I just would have liked us to have spent a little more time here. So much zombie fiction involves moving from like location to location and the location is safe for a little bit and then it's not. And like I accept that and I think that's like, it works very well in a lot of zombie stories. But what I would have liked to have seen is maybe an episode dedicated to Ellie needing to rely on these people and sort of being brought in and seeing that this space, that this uh, commune seems to be working. People are a little on edge and a little like starved, but they're like, they're eating people though. Yeah. See, I, I don't know. Like this is the last place I want to hang out is this Jesus mumbo, mumbo jumbo bullshit. Like just, I don't feel like there's anywhere to go. And I feel like if they took out all of their lead guys, we're the only people in these kinds of, of clusters that have any power. And I think the rest are going to disperse. 
because they'll oh, be yeah. too afraid to come after them. They just killed all their guys, basically. Yeah, for sure. Like, and I, and I, I think tell you this, I'm pretty sure that our friend David was father to all of the children in that place. Like I was getting bad Mormon weird. Sorry, sorry, Mormons, but I was getting bad shit out of this place. Like I was wondering if the little girl that he smacked was his own daughter because he was also fucking the, the wife of this guy who was dead. And yeah. the women just have to do whatever. You know what I mean? Because he was such a scary, pervy guy. So I didn't, I wasn't really interested in hearing any more about this commune. I felt like I had the profile. No problem. Yeah. Maybe some of the other places, like maybe that place, you know, the cowboys and stuff, like there I would have stayed a little longer to see because I wondered how they were working. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The, once this stuff revealed, like the true nature of the commune is revealed, I don't think we need to spend much more time with that. I just would have preferred if that had been kept more mysterious mm. at first. Yeah. I felt like we were given a lot of the beats pretty easily. Like even with the revelation of them eating people, that ear casually left on the floor Sure, it's an, an honest mistake, I guess, or something that people could admit, but <laughs> it, it it seemed like we needed to make sure Ellie understood in that exact moment that cannibalism was afoot. Yeah. And what I would have rather have seen was like hold off on the creepy stuff, make things a little less obvious at first and give us more on the sort fence. Of, yeah, because the other thing is this season is only nine episodes long and, you know, there are things with budget and behind the scenes stuff that make that so. But nine is a, is a bit of a strange episode count, right? We don't often see shows with a nine episode yeah. season. Yeah, 10 would be more usual. Yeah, so if you were going to pad something out here, and especially if you perhaps had saved the stuff in Jackson, Wyoming for after this. Again, I know like in the video game that that's how it was structured, but we go from something like the Kansas City QZ where, they, well, we first we start with the Boston QZ where we see the Fedra having, you know, turned into a military dictatorship. That's safe space one. Safe space two is the Kansas City QZ where we see the opposite of that. What happens when the people take things back? Still a mess, still awful. Then if we had maybe transitioned to this where we, you know, have the... the you know, cannibalism and stuff more slow to reveal. We see maybe a commune that's a little more stable and you think, oh, maybe it can work. But then you get this slow creeping sensation that something's amiss leading to a big revelation. And then we get maybe to Jackson, Wyoming after that. I feel like that would have been from a narrative perspective, uh, uh, a, a kind of better transition with maybe two episodes in each and then you know an episode on the road between this is just me as a writer thinking of how i would do it ideally and it's not that the other or the way that's unfolding in the show is unsuccessful i just felt like this was a lot of stuff like laid out on the table very quickly so that we could move on yeah. quickly though to be fair most of the episodes would have been like that right you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I but I, I see what you're saying. Like in this one, I think it was just more, it, it, it really, really slotted into a lot of those stereotypes where you're like, now this is going to happen. Now he's going to be a pervert now that, and it did, it hit all those boom, 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 like very quick. 
Mm-hmm. So, and I, I, you definitely get that vibe that like we're on a timetable here. Yeah. But I also get what, you know, what you said a few episodes, Milo, is like, these guys are not familiar with expanding on a storyline very well. They're nervous to make things last from one episode into the next. Yeah. Which is why every episode seems like this close, like we meet people, we see who they are, and then they're dead. And then we go to the next place and it all happens over again. And that's uh-huh. a real pattern with this show. And it's, they haven't quite warmed up to extending some of these plot lines over multiple things. Even if it's like a background thing, but still happening, like a yeah. longer plot line, you know what I mean? But maybe, I mean, what they need too, I think, I think they need to mix up the writers a little bit and get, you know, get some people in on season two and say, okay, let's try to make this a little more ambitious in the writing department. Not that the show was not ambitious with all the, you know, it's like a huge movie. Mm-hmm. It's wild. But I just mean in that, like, let's extend some of these plot lines a little bit. So it's not just like these tiny arcs that just jump along like a little frog. It it leads to more satisfying storytelling, I think, in the end, right? It's it's not it's okay to invest in characters besides Joel and Ellie. And yeah, I do hope that the writers find comfort in season two. I also imagine that there is a little bit of nervousness about deviating too far from the plot of the video game. 100%. 100%. Like this, yeah, The Last of Us has a huge, rabid fan base that, from what I understand, is made up of a lot of the people who are often the most aggressive, shall we say, online. Yeah. And, you know, the sh- the showrunner is, one of the showrunners is, of course, the same person who wrote the video game. So I know that he wants to be respectful of the the community that has brought him to his success. And I have seen plenty of, like The Walking Dead, just to quote another zombie show, is a classic example of when the person who created the source material decides to go totally off yeah, what they originally wrote, and it leads to disastrous effects. So I'm not saying I want like us to go completely wild. There, there is something. Don't to be go said Game of Thrones on this thing. Exactly. You, yeah. you can find an adaptation. <laughs> Even though that was hilarious, don't do it. <laughs> I'm still not recovered, Jerry. <laughs> My love has anxiety about those last five I... seasons. <laughs> Yeah, I need to hack somebody with a knife 22 times just to get over that emotionally. <laughs> and I do emphasize the word hacks yeah. when it comes to writing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I have read, I haven't read any spoilers, mm-hmm. but I did read that some may find the finale controversial. Oh, joy. Ends of the video game. Because uh-huh. I think I think some of it is going to depart from what people are expecting to happen. Mm-hmm. So that should be kind of interesting to see how they're going to choose to let this happen. I, I'm only aware of one other major plot point from the video game that has yet to be covered. And I, of course, will not share it here. I am wondering if, however, that plot point is the plot point they're going to change. So we'll see. I mean... The finale is just around the corner, Jericho. It's Next one week. Oh I know. God, that's so, exciting. I am so excited for it. I, I imagine it's going to be a long episode. Yeah, it's probably going to be like two hours. But <laughs> I I have to, as much as I have enjoyed it, and I have, I've got to say, 
it'll be a relief to get a little break because every week I'm like, okay, like I have to like brace myself to watch this show. Yeah. Whereas the Mandalorian, I just <laughs> pop that shit on and I'm like, hey Pedro, nice helmet. I love it. I love everything you're doing. the The season premiere was like the Muppet Show. I'm like, this is my speed. Just yeah. little Muppet puppets running all over the place. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's the stuff I'm talking about. That's the good stuff. Yes, I'm. I'm looking forward to you know after this this ends, having a little break, going and rewatching season one of the Gilded Age. <laughs> Not the know. Gilded Age. <laughs> I'm going to bring it up every week. Everybody should watch it. It's a great start. <laughs> there are hats everywhere. <laughs> you should you should rewatch Game of Thrones just up to season five. Four? Yeah. I don't know. Whenever it stopped being good. Seasons one through four were great. Seasons five and six were starting Fine. to fumble, but we're okay. Yeah. Um, and season seven and especially season eight were garbage fires. So. Yeah, season eight was wild because I wasn't even much of a fan. And mm-hmm. I watched through it and I was just like, the fuck is going on here? Exactly. Well, I just, not- well let's, let's finish the episode and then we'll <laughs> discuss <Yeah>. that. <laughs> so, so, all right, I am, I'm looking forward to next week. I'm going to get myself emotionally stabilized <laughs> and then uh, once again be destroyed. I have, like, and I don't know what's going to happen, but I just know it. Yeah. I I think emotional stability is always a long shot. Regardless, I'm going to try and get myself comfortably numb yeah. at best to get, to get, you know, ripped apart, as you said. Yeah. It's be like, be Pedro, I swear to God, I swear to Jesus. Hold you on. You not die, you motherfucker. Come on. You took that penicillin in the stomach. You got you to gotta last. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, if you liked this show, why don't you rate it on whatever podcast platform you prefer to listen to, Apple Music, Spotify, etc. And you can follow us at The Popular Parallax on Instagram. And we will be back next week for the finale of The Last of Us. See you there, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to the Popular Parallax Limited Series Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Popular Parallax. Episode produced by Anne Meehan, theme song by Ken Chamberlain. We'll see you next time. And remember, Daddy is a state of mind, you know what I'm saying? I'm your daddy. <laughs>